0: It's
1: it. Boink. Hello, and welcome to the funny looking podcast. My name is Pete Jones. Hello, I'm Gav. Gav Cross. And you are very welcome, my friends, to uh, pod 12. Pod number 12. A lot of good stuff coming up. We're going to start with the first half of our interview with Tien and Duyeb. You did a lovely job, Gav, may I say. Thank you. He was a lovely, lovely man. And there was a lot of really interesting stuff, including stuff on the Phoenix Fringe, the Edinburgh Fringe, uh, political comedy, TV comedy. So get involved, have a listen.
0: Once again, we've, we've found out that if you, are, seemingly, if you ask nicely, nice people, if they'll chat to you, some reason they say yes, um, and you know. on funny looking, we talk to people we've seen uh, and that we like and we enjoy. We're interested in, uh, and I'm here talking to do Duyep.
1: Hello.
0: I've said that right.
2: Yes, you have. You've, you've, I'm very impressed. Actually, I'm very impressed.
0: You're one research. of the
2: few people that's nailed it first time.
0: I've done my research. Um, yeah. Now I've never seen you live, Tynan, but was just, we just said we live in the future you're all over the place, YouTube, uh, your blog, your writing, and uh, so we'll touch on those. Um, mm. How's business?
2: Yeah, it's all very good. It's always very good. I think it's, this is a hard, I think comedy is a hard job to, uh, to you know, like other jobs you get an, an automatic, you might get a raise or you might get a promotion. And I think in comedy, if you're on TV, then you've definitely, you know, things are going well. But if you're not a TV actor, sometimes it's hard to know things are going well, you know, uh, and I can sort of solidly say this is I'm going to jinx myself now. that I've got a gig on Friday or Bob. Um, I can solidly say things have been constantly sort of upwards, uh, especially for the last sort of four or five years. And at the moment, I'm I'm really enjoying comedy again, which is a nice place to be in, I think.
0: You're doing all sorts, though, don't you? And, and as you say, comedy can be found all over the place. A couple of things to touch on. You um, had last year. You had a YouTube channel. This year, you had a YouTube channel with um, the partly political. Um, I've I listened to your uh, Phoenix gig, and it'd be good to talk about Phoenix Fringe. Yeah, uh, and you describe yourself as angry and political. Is that is that?
2: Yeah. Although, I mean, interestingly, the the Phoenix gig, my my most recent show, which is the one you, you've listened to, um, is slightly less angry in... Well, it's less political, I think, mainly because uh, I'm about to do a whole load of gigs in Scandinavia. Uh, I've got Norway, Iceland and Finland coming up. And while they are political people, they don't give a shit about UK politicians. <laughs> and so I've had to try and work on some stuff that I could do abroad without them going, Ian Duncan who? Yeah. You know, they, you know they, they won't get my reference that he looks like an angry thumb or anything like that. So... Um, uh yeah that that's a show about more broadly uh maybe more broadly political things I'm trying to politicize it more I think by the time I do it next I'm going to probably have a lot of stuff about Syria in there which may be ill advised but I'm trying so uh yeah I think that's 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 angry it, it's become angry and political it used to be very silly and uh, whimsical and it's now got more and more uh, oh, I hate the world and people <laughs>
0: and that's um, because you can trace many a comedian's career via youtube whether whether you want to as a comedian or not it's all there and that that growing kind of awareness or inclusion I'm, I'm presuming it's always been there but that growing inclusion of the political subject it's it's very apparent it's it's what probably drew me as a fan of comedy and okay. i'm not really political I, I buy the guardian that's about it but <laughs> That's my excuse. That's what drew me, because um, I think it was around the occupation time I was aware of. You You were gigging down there.
2: Yes, yeah, I gigged in, in front of St Paul's Cathedral, which was uh, really exciting, actually, really exciting. Um, but I did quite a lot of, uh, I've, well, I have done quite a lot of political gigs, and we did a big one on Westminster Bridge for Save the LHS that still I think is one of the best gigs I've ever had about a 1,000 people watching including Chris Morris, which made me terrified. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it was just such an amazing feeling of all these people with the the same director. We all wanted the NHS to stay alive. And we didn't want it to be privatised, and we were all there for the same reason. And there were about 10 comics, including Mark Thomas and Josie Long, just really having it out comedy-wise, saying this is, this is what needs to happen. It was a lovely feeling. Um, and I, I think with comedy... Well, the thing I realised, I... Uh, I definitely started, you know, as I said, with more silly comedy. But it takes it takes time to know who you are and feel comfortable on stage and know what you want to say. And there just hit a point where I realised that I was very fed up with the world and there's no way I can keep talking about how sports should be better or something rubbish when that's not what I'm thinking every day. I need to be talking about what's bothering me on a day-to-day basis and what I feel. And also I feel that comedy gives you an audience, uh, so you may as well use it. You may as well tell them what should be changed or without being preachy. I've got a big issue about preachiness and I don't want to be didactic. I want to just say, this is how I understand it. And this is how I feel it should be. You know, you don't have to think that, but that's what I think. Um,
0: But the hour that I've heard has those political positions, and it has jokes as well. It's studied it through, but just generally in comedy and not necessarily commenting on other acts, do you think comedy is becoming more political?
2: That's a tricky one. Uh, I think it's it's the lovely world of comedy. It's always changing. We've got a real divide at the moment in that I think we have, uh, I've got to be careful with words here, some quite, boring is not the word, but TV comedy in that it's very safe. There's a lot of very safe comedy and there's a lot of new acts who are starting with a real business mind saying, I can be doing five minutes here, ten minutes here, 20 minutes here, and then I'll be on TV. And they write sets that are have no soul to them at all. (laughs) And and I'm not thinking of anyone in particular. I should add, it's a, I remember, recorded thing. Let's point out that I'm not. Um, But there are a few, there are a few political comedians and it's starting to grow again. Um, But I think a lot of people are scared of it. I mean, TV's not interested in it. We've just, we, the partly political broadcast uh, has just been rejected by Channel 4. So there you go. There's not a lot of interest in TV and political stuff. and
0: That's a real shame because even though it's very satirical so it's very of its time it was it was really high production values you put a lot of time in both the writing and and there seems to be a real dearth of in a week as we're talking david frost and his connection with satirical comedy there's a real dearth of that in mainstream access hugely and i i can see i can
2: see the fear of of television channels in that Uh, Ben, who filmed all the partly politicals, he's a very, very good director, but he's worked for Dispatches quite a few times. And he was saying that even in the final sort of three edits of the Dispatches program, they have to have three lawyers watching it, taking an hour of notes each time. And comedy, there's ever since the Russell Brand, Jonathan Ross thing, comedy's on tenterhooks. Everywhere's afraid that it will, you know, it will kick off, it'll cause libel action. So I understand that. And I think also the other side of it, which is very depressing, is. There's a lot of apathy still. There's still well, I think there's less apathy than people say there is. Having met many young people and old people that are really, you know, of all ages that are, are angry about this government. But TV wants ratings. That's the way. Especially like BBC needs to keep its license fee, so it needs ratings. Doesn't want to do something that will divide people. Sadly, and actually, that's the most interesting entertainment, isn't it? The ones that make you think or question or, or challenge. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So no, I, yeah, I, I can see that as the that's the hurdle, but in a nice way. I mean, we're partly political. The, the issue we have is we did it all with no funding. We did it all because we wanted to do something ourselves. Um, and while that is, we are aiming to do more. It's difficult finding the time and funding, as I said. But the you know the fact is, if it's on YouTube, we can still do whatever we want with it. We can say what we like. So that's that's a plus point, I think.
0: Do you in your writing hold back? One of the the um, overwhelming images for me. Is your representation of Gove.
2: Oh, yeah. Tell us yeah. a bit about
0: how you do that.
2: <laughs> oh, uh, the Gove. Gove. Well, we, I, I managed to, I, I searched high and low. And in fact, I, I put out on Twitter, I was looking for a very specific type of ventriloquist dummy. Uh, and we found the perfect one. This uh, lovely man who lives in West London happened to have this very particular ventriloquist dummy. He sent me a picture and I said, that is, I mean, it's actually, it looks frighteningly like Michael Gove. And terrifying. so I borrowed it's him for a, a day. Visage. It's a
0: terrifying visage. It is, isn't it?
2: And, and I mean, the, the, it was, it's a shame because oh, he's a very, um, uh, the man, I'm trying to remember his name now, it's awful, isn't it? I should remember. But he lent us this doll and it was a very uh, prized personal possession. So we were only able to borrow it for a day. And everyone since me saying, when will he come back? And it's like, well, I, I can't just... Still, i i've yet to find one i want to buy one although it terrified me so much having it in the flat when i did have it here that i don't <laughs> i'd have to find somewhere else to keep it
0: if something <laughs> primarily creepy about uh, both that that uh, doll and its representative i would say but I'm, I'm, i i do hope bearing in mind it's your time that partly political comes back i, I bombed up to edinburgh for a uh, a couple of days but you didn't go
2: Uh, Actually, I went up for two days. I went up for two days to offer moral support to a couple of comedian friends that were feeling very sad.
0: (laughs) But it was a decision, again, in your blog, on your website. um, This year was not to go.
2: Yeah, yeah, second year. Second year I haven't been. Uh, I went up for, oh, God, seven, eight years in a row and uh, three solo shows, sketch shows, mixed bill shows. I've done a lot over the years. And I didn't go last year because, well, because I needed a break, actually. In, in 2011, I did three shows a day plus extra shows every day for a month and felt so exhausted. Uh, and I also lost thousands of pounds, and I, I needed to have a mental rest and a financial rest for a year. And I had such a good summer <laughs> that it kind of made me realize, why would I ever go back? What do I get from it anymore, and what does anyone get from it? Um And the costs are so extortionate of doing it. I think what a lot of people don't realize is that for a performer, you know, we pay to go up. We pay for the venue. We pay for accommodation. We pay for PR. We pay for printing. We pay for promotion, um, as in a promoter, not just the PR. Uh, You pay for, obviously, all your travel or your food while you're there. And you get no money for a month. You, You pay a lot of money to work harder than you work any other time of the year. And that makes no sense to me. Um, So, yeah, this year was an active decision to not go, and I don't know if I'll go back.
0: That's the first half of TNN. More coming uh, later on. Later on, and we'll give you some details of how to uh, get involved and what he's up to uh, a bit later. Going on tour. So,
1: hello, you are very welcome. Have I said that? Yeah, you're still very welcome. But it still stands. It's been a little while. Doesn't matter. We've been losing Twitter followers by the Shedler before. Scum. a lot of them. Um, so yes, happy 2014. I've got a can of lager left over from New Year's Eve in my fridge. We've Broken all my resolutions. And we're ready to do another funny looking. I think uh, the next article is quite traditional in what we do. In the sense that it's full of good intentions. Yeah.
0: But sort of in terms of the calendar. Yeah. A bit late. Well, calendars are for calendars are just tedious wraps uh, around lives. what we do then what we're going to do this is a little chat we we recorded um about my sojourn to Scotland yes. to the Edinburgh festival back in the high summer i think it still stands uh, because a number of the artists uh, the performers the comedians we're talking about our touring now there's a whole why is it because they people do edinburgh then they kind of like take take some time off to christmas yeah and then they start doing their tour shows. Because they're lazy people, Gav, otherwise <sighs> they would not have proper jobs.
1: No, I, um, we revere the comedian. Of course, but what I would say is though, a lot of people, they want to have an immediate opinion, not you and I. We like to consider things. Absolutely. And then. So, if anything, we're doing the comedians more
0: of a service. Absolutely, right, so here we are, this is a little round-up chat about my uh, time at the Edinburgh Festival, 2003. <laughs>
1: So, Gav, um, you had a nice weekend in Scotland recently. Long weekend. Long weekend. Mine was nicer, probably, but um, less relevant to a comedy podcast. All right. So, I got
0: twenty seconds.
1: Went to Aberdeen. Yes. Went to Stonehaven, best fish and chip shop in the UK, award-winning, delicious. Right. Stonehaven, lovely. Check it out. Where did you go? I went to the Edinburgh Festival. We are always talking about festivals on this podcast. Festival is it Edinburgh or
0: Edinburgh? So, who did you see? <laughs> Edinburgh I say Edinburgh. That's good. People oh, say Edinburgh. The whole thing off. I don't know. Edinburgh. Yeah, I did four days Edinburgh. in Edinburgh. Edinburgh. Four days in at the I like to go to the Edinburgh Festival at the very last weekend. It is nothing to do with the fact that accommodation is cheaper. Nope. Um it's a lot to do with the fact that I like seeing broken weeping dead eyed comedians. <laughs> <laughs> and the first the first show I went to see I saw a comedian who knows who he is. Um who he was so tired. He just it's just I'm really sorry, Gav, like the I just first of all, I'm really sorry. But um then I subsequently, you know, that's it's ridiculous. It's a month long. Nothing needs to be a month long. Seemingly. But I had a good. I had a good time. It broke me after four days. <laughs> <laughs> you are very unfit, though. Very, un- i easily breakable. So you saw a lot. What? I did. Let's have some highlights. Highlights, highlights. Um, this, the, but everything I'm going to talk about is stuff that I saw and and, and genuinely really enjoyed. I mean, in no particular order. Uh, I tell you what I did. I tell you what I, it, this it was an aspiration of mine. Right, it's like I could. I think I tweeted it as a, as a as a half joke, which was um, I spent. A whole day at the stand, like a comedy pilgrimage, yeah, the stand it was you know, if you if you're a no live comedy, you know that the stand venues are just revered you know, in glasgow edinburgh and, and Newcastle are just revered as just comedy it's brilliant to walk into a venue and all over the place it's like you know please don't talk Listen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's no it's it's a comedy. Menu for people who want to listen to the comedian and not want to, you know, prove to five mates that they are as funny or funnier than. So it's just, just brilliantly uh, positioned. Um, and I spent the whole day there. It started with a lunchtime rehef. Richard Herring's Andrew, Edinburgh Fringe podcast. Edinburgh Fringe podcast. Um, and the guest on that day was uh, Simon Donald, he of Viz fame. Yes. Brilliant. But Straight Puff talking about I'd re- I really want to see that show now. And uh, Bacon Face, the mm. worst kept secret in comedy.
1: Um, Bacon Face, who you don't know, is a Canadian comedian.
0: We have an informed audience. I don't know if we do. They do, and we do. They're not idiots. Yeah.
3: Um,
0: They know who Bacon Face is. It's the... It's... Well, what is it?
1: It's Stuart's Lee's Vehicle... For being a
0: prick to people. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's this alter ego of this um, Lucha Libra wrestler mask wearing draped with uh, bacon. Yep. And uh, this created background, very, I don't know, who knows how that brain works, but um, it was just lovely to see a very playful Richard Herring and Stuart Lee. Talking hmm. um, and not having to go over, you know their their you uh, their '90s histories, yeah. even though yeah. it's constantly referred to. It was very playful. And I know, I know. Bacon Face cancelled a couple of gigs in Edinburgh. And... Yeah. Do you feel Richard Herring is as frustrated with Bacon Faces as is with Stuart <laughs> Lee's popularity? <laughs> right. <laughs> here's an here's the thing, Stuart Lee. So he tax. Allegedly, seemingly, but he doesn't. If you've watched the YouTube video, he seems to attack comedians that use writers. It's all picked out in particular ways. Baconface walks off and gives punters their money back. Comedians that I spent time with are all talking about Stuart Lee. But Stuart Lee is a provocateur. And he's a provocateur who been on the outside, he's plainly can't claim to be an outsider anymore because he's got two series commissioned, he's on big tours and everybody hails him as this powerful and important comedian. So as a provocateur, he needs to piss off a new bunch. So I think he's consciously pissing off comedians. If, if I think we can guess that Stuart Lee is, is friendly with Richard Herring and Tony Law. If Richard Herring and Tony Law are leaving the charge of slagging off Stuart Lee, you've got to smell...
1: Bacon, bacon. <laughs> Wake up and smell okay, the bacon. I don't
0: know. Maybe I'm wrong. I think, I think it'll be really interesting for him to do an episode of his series about how he's pissed off the entire comedians
1: because they seem very angry with him. It's interesting because we tried that with audience members for the <laughs> podcast, and um, <laughs> it <was> pub- publicity-wise, <laughs> it's done very little. But yeah. um...
0: the reason I got, uh, I I picked the, the spend the day at the stand things because as soon as it was announced via the. Um, newsletter Sarah Milliken did a, a whole run at this tiny venue let's say 100 and something plus seats I got two tickets mm-hmm. I only got to use one in the end I got tickets to see Sarah Millican in the stand you know this big beast to come at that sounds wrong doesn't it but she is <laughs> she's just this colossus astride the world of comedy but um here she is in a tiny venue like MacFest doing, mm-hmm. doing doing the preparatory work and I tell you she was astounding a really amazing funny fundamentally funny yep. yeah really is she somebody who does comedy that,
1: I don't know how to phrase this,
0: that is your sort of comedy? Ah, yeah, I know what you're saying. It, it sounds, you know, kind of like this buying into snobbery. I don't know. i tell you what, I probably wouldn't pay to go to the Empire or buy a DVD, but I love watching her on TV. Mm-hmm. I really think she brings something interesting on panel shows when I do watch them. I don't watch them much anymore. Uh, I think she's just and what she was was funny, a brilliant, brilliant storyteller mm. and a fantastically technical comedian. She was she can control an audience with her voice and her face and her eyes and her paws and a giggle. She's plainly enjoying herself. The audience were just overwhelmingly enjoying themselves. She's got good jokes. She's got good yep. stories. Um, I just I just she's inc- incredible. And I think if you've listened
1: to the Comedians Comedian podcast with her, she's worked at it. Uh, all those techniques
0: that you're talking about now have been worked on for years. Yeah, it just it's that anything. I mean, I talk. About, I've got have got a, an eight year old daughter. She's interested in music. And we talk the notion of the of the singer songwriter as opposed to the X Factor approach thing. And and and, and it's, I started to talk to her about Sarah Milliken. My God, I don't want her, my eight year old listening to her at the minute. But I, as soon as <laughs> she she gets into committee, that's the sort of person I wanted to start with mm-hmm. someone who will craft and who will work things through who is just good at what they do because they tour and they do small gigs and they celebrate and champion people and they're connected to the career they love mm-hmm. uh, just just wildly impressive so aside from you, day at the stand who else did you see go two I tell you what I want a quick focus on two northwest based Comedians, Phil Ellis and Michael J. Dolan. Michael J. Dolan, there'll be a link to um, both uh, your fantastic interview, the full interview, and the Michael J. Dolan study pack you can do. Um, And he talked about this. We've seen it a couple of times, talk about wanting to take the bleakest themes and make it (laughs) and still make it funny. And we saw 20 minutes, didn't we, at Excess Malarkey and it was funny. And I saw the hour, it was a sold out hour on a final Saturday and it was funny, it was bleak. He, it, uh, he's inspired me. Part of my job in the day-to-day <laughs> is to, to train people. I work with people, all grown-ups, all adults. And he, he, the bit that made him laugh, I think, the most was that um, uh, he referred to the entire audience as dreadful people, <laughs> uh, which really tickled him. So that's inspired me. I am now introducing that to my training. I'm referring to individuals and whole groups as dreadful.
1: Uh, Having observed your training
0: today, Gab, <laughs> I
1: can say... <laughs> There were some dreadful people in
0: there so. <laughs> but 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 the point i 'm making is that everything he was talking about was incredibly bleak and very 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 funny life, death, decay, neighbors um, the the horror of the existential crisis that is the aging process, and it was just again he 's got a astounding charm, a really nice guy i 'd like to apologize. To him oh, and and his wife Hannah, because they I did we I did end up in the queue with them for Peacock and Gamble at the very end of a long night, and Go I had spent a few hours in the Pleasance bar. Oh, mate. Come on, so man. I apologise. I was probably I was a bit tired and emotional. Um, that, the way that 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 several Heineken's bring on waves <laughs> of emotion, so I apologise because uh, I I don't know. Anyway, Peacock and Gamble. You're a dreadful person. I am a dreadful <laughs> person. So um, a beautiful hour of absolute misery, and I really hope that that gets gets out there and gets seen because just
1: it, he's doing a recording soon, so
0: not only can you go and see that, but it'll be out there to so buy and listen to. It, so that would be good. Good on him, good on him, cause it, because he, he did he achieved what he set out to do, and as a punter, I loved it. What was the penguin about, Michael? There was a penguin on stage, there was an inflatable penguin. I've tweeted and asked, don't pretend you don't know what I'm talking about. I think you were just drunk, but oh, possibly I was. Phil Ellis, who did an hour, his hour was about turning 30 and finding out he wasn't a, an orphan. Okay. Finding out, it's such a personal piece. I, I've got to say that I loved this hour.
1: I would also say that you've tried to explain this hour to me previously. I
0: don't want to explain it to you too much because I want you to see it. Okay. It's a, a just brilliantly original, uh, complex, uh, foolish, buffoonery, dangerous, uh, worrying, rubbish <laughs> hour. And, you know, I loved it. I loved it. Did everybody love it? Uh, no, I don't think so. But I love that too. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I, no I think that's... It, there was layers of confusion for people um purposefully, I hope um there were there were definitely you know at one point we had to to leave the venue um and that when we came back, I don't think everybody came back in i it's one of the most original hours that I've seen okay did you sleep at all yeah, because you don't go you don't go and see a show till midday, do you oh okay yeah yeah you go a Actually, you've got a lot in got a lot in. Notaro. Oh, jealous! Yeah, that that was um, that was just like a stumble upon as well. There were tickets remaining, the rema- uh, remainder tickets. Um, Tignatera, who was big last year. Well, yeah, Louis C.K. put out a um,
1: a gig that she did last year. Um, amazing, still online. Go find it. I don't very want to say don't very to say per-
0: Yeah, absolutely. I've got a, She she was the possibly the master of audience banter, And it wasn't like banter. Hey, where are you from? The master of taking control. Of the audience, any mm. noise, any response, what people were saying. She was so laid back. She was so slow. She was so nice. commanding, so masterful in that kind of pause. And I don't it's not, I don't think it's necessarily a, a, an American thing, but it's a very technical thing she was doing, but she was brilliant at it. And great face as well. <laughs> she gives great face. Um, and finally, um, George Rigold, a character comedy about bleak, dark pornography and how we use, I'm not selling this, uh, the, the way that, the way he was talking about himself, the way he was talking about, um, Nigella Lawson, oh God. I must say I was agape. and gaping is one of the themes of his, oh God. I gotta say, and this is not a complaint. I found it quite hard to listen to and laugh at. And I enjoyed every minute. Really? It was supposed to be oh, okay. as bleak and as dark as that. And I loved it. It was, no, you're not going there, are you? You're not going to say that. Oh, yeah. Yes, you've gone there. What, the point you're making, it was, can I say something really bad? Yep. It was a bit, it was that conceit of Jonathan Swift, you know, that, um, about, um, Jonathan Swift, who in a modest proposal suggested we should eat babies to, uh, to we eat Irish babies to stave off the famine of this <laughs> this beautiful dark um, satirical piece? Let's piece. Let's just say he took that and then he went. He went. You're not going to say that, are you? He went. You said that. So George, I got. I had a great time. Sounds like it, mate. Fair play.
1: Oh, it was tiring. Anyway, back to Scotland. I had a glass of whiskey.
0: That was the highlight, probably. Lovely time. do not you come next year? Do you have family responsibilities. All right. All right. You've charmed me. Uh, I might not go next year. I might go to Phoenix.
1: <laughs> from one festival to another, Gav. Uh, a few things to recommend. Yeah. Let's, let's do a bit of mopping up in the admin <laughs> So we're going to talk about other festivals six months ago? <laughs> no, no, no. We're talking about things in the future. Mm. Forward looking. Forward looking, funny looking. That's what they say. Um, Leicester Comedy Festival is coming up in February. I am from Leicester. So I... Uh, Feel like you should also go and experience. I think actually uh,
0: the, the comedy festival stands in its own right as a positive thing. I don't. No, think... No, 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 no. Um,
1: but there's some really good people there. Uh, Lawrence Clark, who we've spoken to before, brilliant, wonderful. Uh, Brian Gitten is going. Go and see Brian Gittins. First mention of the podcast so far. Mike Wozniak, who I'm seeing at the weekend, is there uh, also? Uh, also on tour, taking his Edinburgh show on tour. Yep. Ivo Graham, who we saw at the Invisible Doctor, wonderful. Phil Ellis, who you've also just mentioned, just brilliant. Uh, And Katie Mulgrew, another. Congratulations. Well done. Um, So Leicester Comedy Festival is the 7th to 23rd of February. I would recommend, if you fancy a good meal, the Kayal, which is near the train station. Beautiful. Best curry I've ever had. And in terms of a drink, uh, Cafe Brucells. uh, Surprisingly nice. Good old Leicester. Up the foxes. Um, and another festival announcement, McConflith Gav. Don't mention McConflith. 2nd to the 5th of May. You can come because I've already booked my accommodation. I am going to be camping again. Uh, but already we have Bridget Christie is doing a bit for her. Uh, Arthur Smith is Arthur bringing Lena uh, Leonard Cohen, his second Lena Cohen show. They will announce more things. It'll be wonderful. I can't recommend it highly enough. Uh, we don't want to because there'll be too many people. Yeah, there'll be nice people though. McConflith Comedy Festival, just brilliant. Next up is an interview with, it's a bit different this one, Mm -hmm. it's with an author, an author of a book for children. Authors are good too. They can also be funny.
0: Very funny. And children deserve a laugh too. Yes. In this interview I was part of the gap, I was actually trying out a uh, new co-presenter.
1: Yeah, I've listened to it. Mm -hmm. She's good. That's all I'll say. That is all I'll say. So this is Mark Griffiths. Enjoy. Enjoy
0: in a breakaway from uh, the norm I'm going to be auditioning a new co-presenter um, we're going to interview uh, an author and we'll tell you a bit about the minute I'd like to introduce you to Libby. Hello Libby. Hello. And uh, how are you today? I'm good. And uh, I'd like to explain to the uh, listeners how we've met.
2: Well you're my dad.
0: That's right I am your father and, uh, do you think I have introduced you to a rounded and informed world of comedy?
2: I don't really know what that means, but
3: yeah.
0: That is the right answer. So who are we going to have a chat to?
3: Mark Griffiths. And what does he do? He's an author of Spaces and Stole My Brain. He, three other books. He is,
0: and also I'm going to have a little geek out moment because, um... He also got some jokes in on one of my all-time favourite sketch comedies from when I was a kid. Here's our chat with Mark Griffiths. Now, I'm testing out, as I said, a new co-presenter. Are we ready, Libby? Yeah. And uh, we're here having a chat with Mark, Mark Griffiths. Hello. Hi, hi. Now, we find the funny wherever. And um, Libby and I, I think, is this the last book I wrote? Read to you, and then you don't need me anymore.
1: um I think you read a bit, a bit of The Hobbit.
0: Oh, how middle class. Um, <laughs> your book, Mark Space Lizards Stole My Brain. Yes. Very what? enjoyable. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Libby? I really like it. We giggled lots.
4: Good, good. That was the idea. I'm glad it worked with someone.
0: No, it's, it's a very silly book on a very grand scale give, give us the um the well you don't need to pitch it because we're not publishers and you've already published it but tell us about that book
4: um yeah it's my it's my first book it's um, it's the story of a sort of very ordinary kind of nerdy uh, schoolboy whose um, brain gets uh, taken over by um, an alien lizard. Warlord, this kind of evil reptile character from beyond the stars who's uh kind of used to ha- having his own way he goes around picking on uh weedier alien civilizations and um he thinks he's pretty cool but then he um it's brought down to earth literally when uh when his mind gets trapped inside the body of this schoolboy and he has to live the the life of a schoolboy and um See things from a different
0: point of view. God, I can't even remember being a schoolboy. You're not a schoolboy, Libby. No. Tell us what you thought. I really like. What did you like?
3: Um, the big dinosaur.
0: So. Does that give anything away?
4: No, no, I think, you know, I think kids need to know that there are, there's at least one dinosaur on this book. I think, I think that's a major selling point, you know. It's yeah. dinosaur-friendly, this book, all right.
2: I've got a few questions for you.
4: Which
0: is handy. Yeah. <laughs> what was it that made you want to become an author? Um,
4: I, I sort of always have been, really. I've always... Since I was your age, since I was in school, I've always written stories and really enjoyed writing stories. Um... And I was one of those kids who always tried to make everything they wrote funny, even if it's like, you know, my day at the zoo. I'd always ask the teacher if I could write a funny account of our day at the zoo and, you know, uh, go to university and study philosophy and end up asking the teacher if I can write a funny essay about the concept of free will and a materialistic universe. And, you know, so basically I always put jokes into everything. Um... And um, it's it's all very well, writing jokes, so I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But if you're writing a book, you need a bit more, you need a story, and you need characters uh, to keep people turning the pages. So um, a few years ago, I said, right, it's time to, because I mean, I've always written bits of comedy and jokes over the years, with radio and TV bits here and there, uh, but I've always really wanted to write a book. So a few years ago, I kind of sat down and said, right, off you go, write a book um and I wrote the first half of Space Lizards in about two thousand and five, quite a long time ago. And I gave up. I thought it wasn't working. Um I think I'd read an article on the uh, uh the fifteen most common errors that first time authors make and I've read this article and I've made all of them, you know, and, and a few more besides probably. Um and I got a bit discouraged. But then a few years later I kind of found the the file with that first half of the book on and I read it and I thought maybe it's not that bad maybe it's worth finishing sending off um and so that's what I did and then fortunately you know an agent was interested in in it and it all went from there
2: why did you choose lizards
4: oh that's a really good question um uh I I like lizards (laughs) I'm, I'm a big big fan of natural history um, I love going to zoos and um aquariums and places Come like on. that. they 're creepy um, yeah, well, I mean you know lizards do have a a kind of uh, uh a, a kind of long history in science fiction of you know um lizard people and Silurians on Doctor Who and you know lizard people in Star Trek and all that kind of thing I think you know, to tie in with the kind of character that Admiral Skink is, um, it needed to be this kind of cold-blooded, you know, scaly, um, frightening-looking... Because um, in in the very, very first uh, drafts of the story, Admiral Skink had a different name. He was called Lord Dragon Breath. And the idea was, you know, there's this kid who talks like he's this strange alien creature, so what might that strange alien creature be? And I thought, well, if he's fire breathing, you know, there's going to be some kind of uh, resemblance to a dragon there. So he's kind of like a kind of humanoid dragon, isn't he? You know, that's the kind of uh, uh, look I was thinking of for that character.
0: There was lots of laughs all the way through. i tell you what it reminded me of. I hope you take this the right way. Douglas Adams.
4: Well, you know, that's... uh... The phrase for me doesn't get any higher
0: than that, really. You know, I mean, it was, it was that taking the grand bits and pieces of sci-fi really respectfully, but with just good jokes.
4: Well, yeah, I'm a I'm a tremendous fan of, of Douglas Adams and have been since I was Libby's age. Um, so yeah, I mean, he has been you know my primary influence on my writing as I was growing up. And, um, and the sort of things that influenced him too, like Monty Python and, and also particularly, uh, P.G. Woodhouse, that, um, that wonderful kind of English absurd humor, uh, that goes into things like Blackadder as well. So yeah, Douglas Adams massive influence on me. In fact, in fact, last year I wrote a play about Douglas Adams. Um, there was an incident in his life where, um, he was, as usual, late. Uh, in um, c- completing a book, and so his editor kind of kidnapped him and locked him up in a hotel and forced him to write the book in a kind of um, kind of farcical version of Stephen King's Misery, uh, if you remember. If you remember that, um, and so I wrote to play about this, and it was going to be on in Manchester this month, but the the venue we were due to um, perform us in uh, a pub called the Lasso Gallery in Manchester. Yes. Um, is is no more. Has closed down. So, um, um, I've entered the script into a thing in Manchester we have called the Twenty Four Seven Theatre Festival, which is a kind of yearly fringe theatre thing we have. So, with a bit of luck, God willing, the Great Green will sees you. Willing, um, we might be able to get that on this year. But yeah, so yeah, huge fan of different
0: Adams. So there was a sequel to Space Lizards, and. Then was Geek Incorporated, but you yep. got a new book coming up again. Yes,
4: this new book is called The Impossible Boy, and it's um, another in the Geek Inc. series. So it's another tale set in uh, Blue Hills High uh, School and um, featuring Barney and Gabby, and it's another mystery for them to investigate. Um, Geek Inc. is this school club that these two friends have created to investigate um a lot of the very strange things that happen in their hometown it's kind of a sort of uh, kind of junior x-files kind of thing really and so this is a new uh, adventure f- for them um there's a, a strange new kid uh arrives at their school who seems to have these very bizarre um powers um and so they set out to investigate him find out what's going on with this uh this boy who can do impossible things.
3: If you weren't an author, what would you be now?
4: Oh, that's a, that's a good question, actually, because I'm I'm an author sort of um, two days a week, and then three days a week I work for a company in Manchester where I'm a, a producer. I produce audio, uh, the kind of audio you hear on the telephone line. that says, thank you for holding. Your call is important to us. Um, so, I, 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 voice. <laughs> thank you. So that's how I uh, keep the roof over my head. And I'm not writing books. But I've, uh, last year I went part time at that job, so I've got more time for writing books and doing uh, doing author events in schools, which is which is a thing I really love to do. Um, so yeah, this year means more le- more writing, less producing. Hopefully,
0: one geek question for me: on your bio, it says you wrote for Smith and Jones. Yes. And it, Radio 4, is that gags? Was that?
4: That's right, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I I started kind of precociously young, really. I was 17. I was in the sixth form in school, and um, I sent a page of jokes off to a show on Radio 4, a show called Weekending, um, which, unbeknownst to me, uh, but quite uh, luckily, was pretty much the sort of uh, comedy youth training scheme that the... Uh, BBC was running at the time, and I was very fortunate because the first, very first time I sent off some jokes, one got used on on the show just a few days later, um, so obviously that was tremendously encouraging, so I wrote for Weekending for quite a few years for a, uh, for a show um, called the News Hudlines on Radio 2 with Roy Hood, I enjoyed doing Classic show sketches and stuff for that, yeah, Roy Hood, just Good brilliant performer. Um, And when I was 18, I I was was asked to write some stuff for Smith & Jones, so I did, I mean, just a smidgen of stuff got onto the final programmes, but, you know, it was really amazing to get a TV credit at the age of 18.
0: Genuinely, we we laughed out loud uh, reading Space Lizards, and uh, we've got the new one on order because it's cheaper on Amazon at the minute.
4: No, it's incredibly cheap on Amazon. What is it? £3.80? It's I mean, it's ridiculous, yeah, you know. still. Good yeah, I, I've been paid my advance. so They can sell it. Have, oh, you can for,
0: sell it for whatever you want then. Yeah,
4: exactly. Get yeah, them out there.
0: So if you're, going, if you're looking for a funny sci-fi book for your family, and we've read that, The Space Lizards, if you want some things, x Files, still got that
4: yeah it's still funny the geeking stuff but it's it's um just it's kind of just a tad more serious just a, a, a tad more emotional trying to make it a bit realer but it's still you yeah, know incredibly funny obviously oh
0: there'll be links on the web page as well uh to mark's work Um uh, thank you for your time you're more than welcome She's she's
1: far too good for this, Gav. She's a good and she'll go on to do something better than this. So my, my
0: position is probably safe. Here's something achingly dull for this audience. I have, I have fantastic children.
1: They're lovely. They're lovely people, actually. I don't know how it's happened. Great people. Anyway, markgriffithsbooks.co.uk uh, is where you can find some information. Mark's also doing a book launch in February in Manchester on the 15th. Somewhere in Chalton, actually. Somewhere in Chalton. Might be my flat. Could be. Hope not. All details will be in the... Back of this podcast somewhere. So give it a read. Um, going into a bit of the comedy roundup. Uh-huh. Oh, yes. Going to segue with the Lassa Gallery from uh, Mark's interview, which he said is closing down, which is very sad because they were really trying to reinvent themselves as an interesting creative hub. Um, and Gain's Family Gift Shop, where one of the people who used to run a night there, mm-hmm. that is now moved to the King's Arms, which is another beautiful pub. So that's, in a way, all right. Oh. I know. Cynical. I know. Mm, sunrise. it's all it's about, about the you it's <laughs> all about me 3rd of February they're next on there good shout good shout good people very funny it's all changing Manchester it is all change Excess Malarkey's move from Jabba's
0: Clegg a night
1: what a night Excess Malarkey consistently brilliant so it's now at the Pub mm. Zoo venue it's near the Depp Institute it's on Grosvenor Street near the Aquatics on the bus route perfect good shout uh, lots of good stuff coming up they're coming back with Rob Deering this week I love Rob Deering who doesn't? Ben Target. Very, very famous. Spelt Target. Uh, Peter Brush, uh, Zoe Lyons, Katie Morgue,
0: Susie Ruffle. They've got so much good stuff coming up. David Trent. David Trent. Just have a look at the um, old school Chris Lynham. Chris Lynham, old school alternative comedy hero. Have a look at their website. Eight quid to get in, but that £8 pounds gives you a membership. And then from then onwards, it's £3. Pounds. It's ludicrously good. Oh. It's an honour to have it in uh, our fair city. I'll tell you what i recommend. recommend. Um, some really good comedy coming up at the Unity Theatre in Liverpool. Uh, Richard Herring is uh, touring his show. Hoof is an, an impro show uh, which comes around Liverpool pretty often, but it's just such, such good quality. And uh, Gary Delaney, who we saw at XS.
1: Yes, look at that. Look at, awesome that. Look at that. Beautiful. Uh, back into Manchester, group therapy.
0: Just keep putting on really good stuff. Uh, cassette Boy. Amazing. Cassette Boy versus DJ Rubbish, which I wanted to see in uh, Edinburgh. Couldn't get a ticket. Saw them recently in Liverpool. Stonking night. They were All the comedy fans were around the edge, uh, enjoying the highbrow comedy. Lots of drunken people in the middle, slightly bemused. And whereabouts were you? Something of between the two? I was, I was right in there, dancing, <laughs> celebrating, pointing out the political, thoughtful, socio-economic humour. As, as you always do, go Yeah. You know, like a
1: barometer of opinion. <laughs> uh, and they've also got Tony Law, who, as everyone knows, is incredible. It's just, yeah,
0: wonderful man. I'm going to recommend, uh, because he's a good man, Sam Avery is starting up the McGall Comedy Club, uh, the McGall Town Hall, Thursday the 6th of Feb. At £10, including a chicken curry what there's a chicken curry in 10 pounds it's a lovely gesture Sam Avery Chris Brooker and Steve Harris good luck to that night Uh, I'm also going to recommend something slightly different Andy Hollingworth photographer Mm. have a search for him follow him particularly on Facebook he's such a lovely guy he's doing an exhibition of his photography reverse angle at the Grosvenor Museum in Chester from the 1st of February just some of the best Photographs of comedians today. Traditionally, photographs of comedians are terrible as Absolutely well. Absolutely terrible. I'm really wacky. I've got a hat on. <laughs> Brilliant. Whereas his pictures, pictures are just so thoughtful. Um, they're great concept. The priority is the picture, not necessarily just the comedian. Uh, all of Sarah Millican's photos in the last uh, few years, I think. But just again, check his website out, Andy Hollingworth. Have a look and go and see some of these beautiful images. He's also conducting tours, telling stories of the photos, which I have booked onto for the second one.
1: It's a lovely idea. It's a, a great crystal. idea. Where was my invite? Uh, in the post. Okay, wonderful. Comedy roundup. <laughs> That's roundup. Rounded. We'll see you again in six months. Up. Okay, moving on. Gavin and I work for a very interesting company. They're called 4D Creative. They are. You should check them out. .co.uk i sometimes working for such a glamorous and... Dare I say, life-changing company. Yes. Takes us to the far reaches of this fair country. I have been to Chorley, for example. I've been to Lincolnshire. Yes. A number of times. Yes, I was in Berkshire the other week. But also, Galf, you've recently been over to Humberside. Hull. Hull. I've spent a couple of nights in Hull. What's the uh, hotel of choice in
0: Hull? I think it's Days Inn. Beautiful. Oh, Class. I Yeah, I stayed, uh, stayed over there, and I threw out a message to friend of the podcast, Gina Jenkinson, of Laughing Bassett, because um, that's where she lives. And so I said, recommend me some comedy in Hull. Find a gig to go to. More than that, she found a gig to perform in. Wonderful. And uh, if you listen to Gina Jenkinson from one of the early uh, podcasts, it was always on the cards that she was going to do something live. Pod 4 uh and and now she's doing it she's actually forging a career she's she's uh, uh beat the gong beat the frog she's done that uh i think i uh, anyway li- have a listen to this this is our little adventure to a little spoken word gig in hull
1: you don't get features like this on the culture show do you go that's the thing that's
0: they'd be that would be wrong not to feature this as <laughs> so far as so relevant God, I'm keeping that in. <coughs> oh. Do you remember episode four of Funny Looking? I do. Do you remember it? With the coffin. With the coffin. Yeah. There wasn't a coffin in it, but you were in it!
3: Yeah, well that's the one.
0: Gina Jenkinson of Laughing Bassett. Do you remember that? Oh
3: I do. I was I think i would had gin.
0: Yeah, you did have gin. I was quite I was quite worried. Um
3: I've had no gin. And in
0: at that in that when we talked about it, you said, oh, I might have a go at a little bit of stand-up, uh, I yeah. might have a little go, and I knew it was going to happen.
3: Did you? Yeah. Because I secretly thought I'd never dare do it, I might really? do a
0: little bit of singing, I've got a song, i got some ideas, I might have a go. It was bubbling there, it was yeah, bubbling it was. under.
3: yes, frothing.
0: And tonight here in the luxurious <laughs> centre of Hull, dragged me out of my travel lodge misery. Yeah. Where are you taking me?
3: We're going to the union Mashup.
0: OK, what's going to happen there?
3: There's going to be, it's poetry and stand-up. Oh. And I'm going to do a little bit of stand-up.
0: Gina Jenkinson is going to do a little bit of (laughs) stand-up. I'm so excited. Fourth gig. This is going to be great.
3: Uh, It's going to be life-changing for you. It is. I can't (laughs) wait. Let's do it.
1: (laughs) You can edit it.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm I'm Jim Hager,
2: and this is uh, a Way with Words open mic uh, at Union Mashup. It uh, runs on the third Thursday of every month. We've been doing it for about 15, 16 months now. It came out of um, it came out of an event that happened on the street outside. There was uh, a, a, I ran a, a poetry stage about 16, 17 months ago, and I got chatting to Dave Stead, who runs Union Mashup. And he suggested we uh,
0: we do an open mic night here. That was, right, where have you just taken me?
3: I took you to Laughing Mash, which looks like an old lady's living room. There
0: was an old lady's living room. There were some old ladies in there, but they were lovely. There were lots Older of Older ladies, ladies. Mm-hmm. elders of our community, poetry night.
3: I know.
0: Lots of poetry, and you were comedian.
3: Yeah, I was like um, a pigeon in a chicken house.
0: You got laughs. You got laughs.
3: <laughs> nice, polite. Kind
0: laugh. That was the fourth run out. You telling me? Yes. Right. Okay. So it was a fourth run out. You got laughs. Your subject matter, which is all about you, pretty bleak.
3: Narcissistically. Yeah, well,
0: <laughs> but it's pretty bleak.
3: Yes, it's very grim.
0: But you got laugh. I laughed. I don't know if appropriate or not. We're <laughs> not going to talk about it now because when you do the hour, we'll talk about it. Okay. And I honestly think that's got real legs.
3: Thank
0: you very much. Genuinely, I'm not going to. Why would? Why would I be putting this on tape? Yeah. Tape. 1987 it. how did that feel though tell us how it felt
3: um it felt a little bit horrible because everybody had really gone there for poetry and i get steaming in and i even though i had written a beautiful poem that was moving <laughs> it was very moving uh, whilst i was having a wee um they weren't really there for comedy uh, but they you know but they were lovely and they were the lovely, poetry was lovely and they were
0: really interested in you and that's what ma- made it interesting because um i think you know i love a, i've said this before i love a room splitter you're mm. a, you are a room splitter in there but people people wanted to come to talk to you afterwards and they wanted to know and you they, i think they really wanted to know whether it was a true story or not and it was true
3: yes all true in fact i have to actually edit it because the real truth i told you little bits of the real truth on the way out people wouldn't believe that it, that's so what's the
0: plan okay let's talk about the medium short uh the short medium long-term plan what are you going to do with that material
3: i'd like to longer it and funnier it up
0: yeah more funny funny funnying, yeah more
3: funnying in it funny more longering it and I, I want it to be about my childhood and how it's affected my parenting skills yeah because i have no boundaries as a parent i'm a I'm a terrible, terrible mother in a completely different way than my mother's a terrible mother.
0: Okay. I I really hope so. I'm
3: not going to tell anyone
0: that. Well, yeah, definitely. Definitely. And um, I wouldn't have. The Cojones to have done, but just stand up there. That was hang on.
3: It. Didn't you actually take your cojones and stand up there? Yeah, but I stood up and told
0: a story, which is not I, there was no jokes in there, so I don't, there was no pressure on but, me.
3: But I did lols, yeah,
0: we did the lols, <laughs> but that's all right because there's no jokes. Thank you for that. Yeah, for some reason, when the guy. Said to me, "Are you going to do something?" I just said, "Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah, that's great." Pick me.
0: Yeah, so uh, pick me
3: first as well. You said, "I'll go, f- I'll go on." I'll on go in the, the first part. Yeah,
0: but there's a reason for that. Always go first. Because because everyone gets tired at the end of the
3: night. Oh, well, there was people leaving. Everyone uh, gets they, tired. Yeah, people left after their set. Selfish.
0: Ah. I really enjoyed that. Thank you very much for this rampant run around the bonkers poetry corners of Hull.
3: Yeah, there's a lot of dirty old ladies, isn't there?
0: There was a couple of cheeky cheeky chops.
3: Yeah, <sighs> rudies. What was the
0: name of the, 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 the girl? Leanne. Leanne, the, the woman, the... who was the headliner. She
3: was called Leanne something. Leanne we... something.
0: I'm going to put this on the end there. Peter, in a minute, I'm going to tell you who she is. I'm going to do her research. I really liked her.
3: I have a crush on her, and I'd like to kiss her all over She was fantastic.
0: She will then do a very funny, slightly cheeky poem about it. (laughs) Leanne. 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 Moden. There it is. He's done his work. Poet Laureate of the Fens. 10yearstime.blogspot.co.uk. Just a lovely, lovely uh, poet. Really enjoyed that.
1: Good stuff, my friend. And good luck to Gina. Best of British,
0: too. Best you. of. I think, I think he's definitely got it. Cool, man.
1: Right. Yeah. Someone who has got it, who linked, is going back into the
0: second half of the interview with TNN Do. Ah, TNN Do, yeah. We don't need to introduce this. Uh, we're straight back in. One of the acts that you tipped to see Bridget Christie won. Um, and yeah. she was in. You did, didn't I? <laughs> you did. Um, <laughs> smug about that. Yeah. I, I'm smug. I, I saw the first preview. So, yeah. Oh, nice. It was lovely. It was in Mac. It was off paper, a piece of paper. And it was it was a beautiful thing. And you could tell was just going places Um, in an independent venue. uh, John Kearns with his new Cumber Award. Do you you think that and I'm an outsider in comedy. Do you think that Edinburgh will change in that direction after those two wins to show it shows a comedian that you can go up you can go to the free fringe you you can do it a different way and still make a mark
2: yes uh, i think i think the free fringe is an amazing thing uh, as is the stand and they are both they're both changing and quite a lot um and i think i mean it's to be honest if we hadn't run the phoenix fringe which i know we'll talk about soon but if we hadn't done that i would have gone and i think i'd have done the free fringe i was considering it very much um And it's fascinating. There were so many more acts on the free fringe this year, but but more importantly, so many more quality acts, so many more, uh, well, not just well-known acts, but very, uh, competent acts. I suppose I mean that, and not in a, perhaps as patronizing way as that sounds, but people that knew what they were doing comics that you would go and see for an hour because they know how to do an hour. Um, so that's important. I think I still have the inherent problem with the length of the fringe. It's a month. It's grueling for performers. um, and the costs of accommodation and things are still ludicrous. So while the free fringe does balance things out, it still just seems. And know when you when you tell anyone else that's not involved in comedy what you're doing for a month, they go, "Why? <laughs> What's wrong with you?" And and I think there are some inherent problems with Edinburgh. But yeah, I, I think there are changes that are coming for the better, definitely. And whether or not the big venues sort of set up and notice this year will be interesting to see. But
0: it's an interesting one again, as a you know as a fan that can. Kind of- a consumer, but knowing a bit about that setup, if I go, and I do, I go every year. Uh, mm. You know, I go at the end of the fringe when all the performers are dead-eyed and broken. Yeah. I've got, I quite enjoy that. Accommodation is <laughs> cheaper, um, but it 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 feels, it feels the more you listen to comics, like I'm buying into that exploitation that yeah. they are subsidising what I am seeing, which isn't unusual in some art forms. Seems when I'm going into some very polished venues with shiny bars and expensive meat pies, it feels a bit wrong.
2: Yeah, it is. It's hugely wrong. It, considering that the fringe would not be there if the performers weren't, it, it's never made sense to me. And uh, and on top of this as well, I think the the fact is the pressure that's on performers now that you have to have a finished show by the first day. You know, everyone's reviewing you. You have hundred just so many critics coming in tearing you apart and then stay online forever. These reviews, um, critics that have been a critic for all of a day, mm. <laughs> you know, or never been journalists before. And, and so, whereas previously, um, I think it was Richard Herring that said previously the fringe, the first two weeks were finishing the show. And then the last week was a finished show for the audience. It was a fringe. People would be interested in experimenting with things. They'd be interested in taking up something they wouldn't normally do. And, while and admittedly, the winners this year show that that 's still happening john kearns i didn 't see uh, his show, but I understand I mean, it sounded amazing I understand his was very experimental quite strange and uh, i really i 'm going to see it as soon as it comes to london um, but generally, a lot of people are turning up with this really polished honed hour that they think will will do for t v and that's not doesn 't feel right you know i miss I miss uh watching comics really explore where they can go and what they can do and developing.
0: I first went to Edinburgh as a student in 91 and wow. we um I was performing a a theatre piece there but picking up comedy and it was early in the fringe because it was cheaper to go and it was very much like that the established model of the uh, the some previews now that wasn't there it was just accepted that what you were seeing this week was a shambles because i turned up yeah. with virtually nothing last week and that was exciting
2: yeah of course of course and then you see something that then might go on tour everywhere as a finished piece and you've seen it at the beginnings or you've seen something that will never happen again and it remains special because you've seen it and no one else will there's so many exciting levels to it um and you know the, the thing that really struck me this year in Edinburgh was how many big well-known acts were doing shows and uh and uh, I'll give you things But like Russell Howard a few years ago said to me, uh, I said to him, are you going to Edinburgh? And he said, no, Uh, why would I go to Edinburgh? I can sell tickets in Edinburgh any other time of year. Why would I take tickets away from people that need them? Why would I do that? And he sort of said that he remembered his very first year struggling to sell maybe six to ten tickets a day uh, when he did a double bill with another comic. And he never wants to take those tickets away from someone else. And I wholeheartedly respect uh, Russell Howard for a number of reasons, but very much for that. And this year, again, and last year and the year before, more and more big names are doing Edinburgh, selling out lots of seats. And you think, this is strange. Why would you do that? If you can tour the rest of the year, why are you spending your month doing this? And, you know, just leeching off the other shows that need support.
0: So, next year, Mm. do I turn my back on Edinburgh and go to the Phoenix Fringe instead?
2: Uh, well, if uh, I, I will promote the Phoenix Fringe, I think you should come along anyway. Tell us about uh, that. That was well. That that's uh, the brainchild of Tiffany Stevenson, who's a very very funny woman and uh, a good friend. And Tiffany just decided that why why bother going to Edinburgh? There's a lot of people in London still in the summer. Why don't we run a fringe here? The very easiest of ideas. And why don't we run a fringe where? Everyone gets paid for doing it, all the acts or the tech or the admin. No one loses any money, and, uh, and we make it affordable for people to come and see it. Sounds like one of those you know, ridiculous dreams. but No brainer. Uh, yeah, it absolutely worked in every way. I mean, we, we had a thing called day tickets, so people could pay 20 quid, and they would see all the shows that day, uh, or tickets for each show were £8 in advance or £10 on the day. And we had acts such as Russell Howard, Alan Davis, Mark Watson, Shappi Sandy, Robin Ince, you know, an amazing bill, pappies, acts that you would go out of your way to see, I think. Um, And what happened was we, I mean, we sold, we sold out loads of the shows and sold really well for the others. and, And everyone was supported for all the newer acts they hadn't heard of. We still had audiences in. And we had it. Rufus Hound tried an improv show he'd never done before, barely said out loud before, <laughs> you know, um, that's a strange thing to say for improv. You never say it out loud before. Um, but he, we had a lot of acts trying things for the first time, doing works in progress. And it, it was a proper fringe. It was an actual proper fringe in a lovely basement venue in the middle of London. So
0: and with your own bed. Edition.
2: Take that, Edinburgh. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. Sold. What are you trying to do do with Detour.
2: Uh, so I'm trying. To, well, it's not. Yeah, what I'm, what I'm trying to do in general is I'm trying to find a way that I can tour my show. There, there seems to be a big problem with agents and promoters that you can't tour unless you're on TV. That's the big thing. How will you sell tickets? How will you possibly sell tickets if people don't know you from the television? Um, and I'm that sounds. I suppose it sounds slightly arrogant, but I'm fairly confident. I've got not loads of Twitch followers compared to some, but I've got quite a few. You know, and I've got an online following. And people keep asking me, when are you gigging in my area? I feel it must be possible to play small venues and tour by yourself. Um, And Detour seems like a very interesting way to do it. People can bid for you. If you go on uh, the Songkick Detour site, you can bid for me to come to your city and then they arrange it. Uh, It's a fascinating site and I I hope it does really well. I'm not not sure if it's for me yet. I'm trialling it and I'm looking for... In fact, I'm contacting other venues on the side anyway. I've I've hopefully got a few lined up, which I won't say anything about until they're done. <laughs> but there's quite a few up and down the country smaller arts venues that are very keen to have um, to have an act come along. So
0: it's good. Well, it, it's, it looks like an interesting uh, proposal, uh, a model. And, and again, reading your blogs about your approach, that this trying to carve this path, this this more independent path that you want to carve. We'll put a link to that and we'll see where that goes with you.
2: Yeah. Thank you. Um, Yeah. It it just, it does just feel, uh, there's a lot of very manufactured comedy, not necessarily the content, but in terms of how things are carved out for people. And I think if you're still keen to say, I'm, I'm very keen with stand up to say what I want to say. I don't really want to write anything particularly for anyone, uh, in my, in my set. um, and I think it, it, that's what comedy should be about. It should be on. I, 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 I'm i not one of these... I, I don't have hard and fast rules about comedy. There are lots of acts that completely go against what I'm about to say that I love and enjoy watching. But the big thing I particularly like in comedy is honesty. It um, doesn't matter what you're saying. If I believe that you're saying it and you mean it... And again, this doesn't include acts like Milton Jones that I love. Um, but, you know... I feel that the honesty is a really important thing. Um, And for, like, personally, for me to do honest stand up, I'm going to have to talk about all sorts of stuff. (laughs) So, yeah, I want to, and I do want audiences to say it to.
0: Really appreciate your time. It's been a really interesting chat. Give us that sum up of how to find you um, on the internet in the future. Um, Uh,
2: The main trick is being able to spell my name. If you can do that, then you should win a prize. Uh, You won't, but you should. Uh, and if you spell my name, you'll find my website, which is tiernanduyeb.co.uk. I'm on Twitter as tnnduyeb, uh, Facebook forward slash tiernanduyeb. The, the fact is no one else has my name. You don't so have
0: to go for tiernanduyeb1 or anything like that.
2: No, that's it. There's never, I'd be terrified. If that happened to me one day, I'd really, I'd have to hunt that person down and kill them. I think there's, there can be only one tiernanduyeb. I think that should be, that should always be my Highlander like tag phrase. <laughs>
0: <Okay. laughs> that is a terrifying end to a very isn't very, it, it? <laughs> that's is like a a big broad threat to the all the tian and doebs out there all
2: well, the none of them there's a reason for
0: that thank you tian and really appreciate it
2: thanks very much
1: you know my favorite bit of that bit what bit the bit we just recorded Which what did you like my favorite bit is when you said i went to the fringe in 1991 and he went wow <laughs> As if it was like, oh my god, I'm so old. What was the world old. like in
0: 1991? Pretty much like it is today, except it was full of nicer people. I'm, I knew nicer people then. They were far more pleasant to be around.
1: That's fair. You can have that.
0: <laughs> and on that bombshell,
1: oh, that's that the end. 12, done. Oh, I love that. That was good, man. It was good. We've got some admin. Let's do the admin. Tien and um. Definitely. Go and have a look there. You can see the good man himself. Mm-hmm. He's going on tour, including the Salford Lowry in June. He's also at the Met Comedy Festival. Oh. Shh. And at Leicester Comedy Festival. Mm. All good, my friends. Let's do some more admin. Uh, Funnylooking.co.uk. that's that is our we website. Our Twitter feed, which has had a few people leave us recently. For? At FunnylockingPod. Come and say hello. FunnylockingPod at gmail.com. Com. Well done
0: Thanks man Got them written down On this piece of paper I? <laughs> No message oh, It'll be lovely to hear from you If you, if you have listened uh, it be lovely to find out If you have seen anything That we've recommended uh, it would be lovely If you sent us a. T- have you noticed The Vogue and uh, podcasts I listen to a lot of podcasts Consistently And very much enjoy Comedian's Comedian I've made a donation uh, As I think you should um, Have you noticed Everyone's getting sponsorship From Audible Audible I've got a Bugle mug. That's how I've contributed.
1: Oh, well done. It's nice. I'm going to get some Bugle socks next.
0: I bought a series pass for Richard Herring's Leicester Square
1: podcast.
0: Oh, very good. Have um,
1: you bought any Just Coffee for... Oh. No, I haven't. I haven't. Oh, this was
0: a self-indulgent ending, but I've enjoyed it. Yeah, they're all good. They're all the recommendations of previous podcasts. They're there. I think they're timeless pieces. Why not catch up... Tell tell one person about us. That is that is like all the other podcasts is how you could support us. If you have enjoyed this podcast... It's been a good one, actually. Tell people about it. We've churned some shit out in the past, but this has been all right. You didn't... This is a little sweary, and now yeah. I've got to put... Ah. But, oh, I've been trying... You fucking... God. Thanks for listening.